an investor doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Gwelly. Welcome to the show, everyone. And today we have a special guest, a guest host, Marcus Kroll from the Kroll Law Firm. Welcome to the show, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we did a show with Marcus last year and we touched on a few different areas. Um, Some of the things that I've been encountering, you know, within the firm, and, and Sam and I can attest to this, is... Um, we have clients that have needs, but maybe they don't know they have a real need or they're not sure why, or they don't think they have enough money or stuff to actually seek counsel. So what do you think the biggest challenge is for people on making the decision on whether or not they hire an attorney and what they do just for even a basic will and estate planning, um, power attorney, things like that? Yeah. Well, New York state has a plan for you. If you don't decide to do an estate plan, then there's a default. So if you're fine with what the default is, you don't need to do planning. Most people, once they figure out what that default is, though, are not comfortable for that. So uh, if you're married with children, half of your assets are going to go to your spouse, half of your assets are going to go to your kids. Your spouse might need all of your assets to support your family. The half that goes to your kids, if they're minors, that gets locked up generally unless you make provisions to access that money until they're of a certain age. So, um, I like to say everybody finds me eventually. It's just uh, if you get me involved late in the game, I generally add an extra zero to my fee to fix the problem. I believe it. And I can tell you many times we've we've had these do-it-yourselfers, kind of like the HGTV. You know, I've made a lot of money online with clicking a couple buttons and now I mess some things up. I need help. I'm sure you encounter that all the time. Yeah, um, we do a lot of unwinding. In fact, that's that's a huge portion of my practice. Typically... That'll happen after death, but after somebody passes and typically it's my, you know, my parents knew everything or dad, you know, handled everything and told us everything was fine. You find out after the fact, well, actually it's not, it's a complete mess. Uh, IRA beneficiaries aren't proper. So now you're paying 50% of that IRA in taxes. But the, the worst situations I encounter are when somebody's still alive and they haven't come and seen me. And then we're doing an adult guardianship. So if you'll remember uh, the, the case I used to use was Columbo, Peter Falk. Uh, oh, was I know a big Columbo. one. Yeah. So it's New probably York- before your time, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so it's you should okay. check out Columbo. He's uh, Columbo. he's a bumbling genius. But um, New York State has a law actually named after Peter Falk because of the craziness that he went through with his guardianship. But uh, the one that was in the news recently was Britney Spears, where she really didn't provide for any management of her financial affairs or, or health decision making. And so the court in California said, all right, we're going to appoint someone else to make that for you. So I do a ton of those. I probably do one or two of those a month where I have to go to New York State uh, Supreme Court and ask a judge to appoint somebody to manage someone's finances and health care. And if you don't pick it yourself, New York will do it for you. And again, the cost to do that is easily well into the five figures, whereas the cost to do basic planning can often be under thousand bucks you really basic stuff pay me now or pay me later yeah so i mean it's it's sad but it it also is a a a big business component for us it's a service we have to do 
for families? I'd say that the biggest challenge that we have when I talk to younger couples, I say younger couples, I think of, you know, 35 to 45 that view themselves as not having so much money. You know, I've got a house, I've got a car, I've got kids. But the biggest challenge they have is appointing a guardian. Who do I, who do I decide? So they will opt to not go and make a visit, make an appointment, call you up and sit down and have a, a discussion about it because it's a, it's a tough time for them to make that choice, right? So they, they decide not to talk about it at all. Like it just goes away. And it kind of does go away, right? If it, essentially, if, if they don't do anything, something will happen if, if they were to die. And there is a plan, like you mentioned, the state has a plan for you. Yeah, in fact, if they don't do it, the best case scenario is the state's going to pick somebody who's great and loves the kids. The worst case scenario is people are going to argue about it. Then you're in litigation. And that's not good for anyone, especially the children who now have their own lawyer appointed for them, who have to go to court, who have to go through this whole process. I mean, it's emotionally devastating to children. So what I say to my clients when I'm meeting with them, and this is assuming they're sitting down, if they have trouble with that, we just, we'll leave it blank, right? For now. We don't sign the documents. What I do is I prepare the drafts. Let's get X, Y, and Z in place so you don't have to worry about having your power of attorney. You don't have to worry about somebody able to make financial or healthcare decisions for you. You don't have to worry at least about who's going to get what, you know, establishing a trust for your kids, making sure your spouse is taken care of. And if we have to take another three to four weeks to figure out who the guardian should be, if you have to ask family members, I'll send drafts out. I'll leave it blank. I'll say, get in touch with me once we figure this out. And I just, I follow up with them. And when clients ask me these questions, who should it be? I don't know. I, you know, I give them advice. You want to have one person who's going to manage the finances for your kids. It's your trustee. You want one person who's going to manage the day-to-day, -day, who's going to sign the permission slip, who's, who are they going to live with, uh, who's going to make healthcare decisions. It could be the same person. It could be totally different people. You have somebody who's just focused on managing money and making sure the kids are taken care of. And then you can have a second person who's really just focused on what do these kids need on a daily basis? Uh, are they allowed to go to the zoo this week? Uh, do they have all their shots? Can I, you know, even choose what school they live in? I, I fostered a girl. Uh, you did, I didn't know I this. did, I fostered a girl for quite some time. My wife's cousin had some problems, is still having some problems, but her daughter actually lived with us for a long time. And it was really difficult because I didn't have custodial guardianship, so I couldn't make healthcare decisions. I couldn't get her uh, therapy she needed. I couldn't even get her vaccinated to go back to school because this was all during the pandemic. So we've told her, you know, if we're going to take her again, uh, you got to give us healthcare decision making and school decision making authority. So yeah, that's got to make things pretty it, challenging. It was impossible. So even though the kid's <laughs> living with me, I couldn't get her basic health care, you know? Well, I I know it's it was definitely um, a, a very touchy subject for my wife and I. And you, you kind of think about all these things like who's qualified to do all that? Who's uh, responsible? And those are all great things. But there's another factor um, to think about is who's going to raise my child the way I would? No one. Like almost no one. And that includes my close friends, my close family. Nobody's exactly like you are. There's no replacing that. And I, I think people have to get past that. It's like, yeah, nobody's going to do exactly, you know, things the way that you would. You find the best, the best uh, substitute, I guess, for yourself. Yeah, you pick people who share your values. One thing I like to mention is, do you have anyone in the same school district? 
right? Do you want to uproot your kids and move them halfway across the country or even out of the town? So uh, for me, I've got my neighbor because he's got little kids, six houses down, same school district, very similar to me, very, very similar values. Obviously, our parenting styles are different, but sure. um, somebody who I would trust. And uh, that's, to me, a huge factor is I don't want my children to be ripped out of the rest of their support system, which are my parents are local, but they're friends and the school who knows them and knows their needs. So that, to me, is a big, big plus on my end. My uh, my wife is part of, so my son is five, and she's part of these like not moms groups, I guess they kind of just cultivate them themselves um, uh, over time, just because the kids play together, they're in the same groups or in the same sports. And they talk about these things. They talk about their estate plans. And, and one of the, one of the moms approached uh, my wife and said, you know, the, the worst possible thing that we could have done years ago when we set up our will is name our parents. Parents end up being the worst guardians. Why? Because they're older. They, they might be declining in health. They may be in a, a financial position, uh, among other things, where they're not capable or they're not the best choice for so many other reasons. It's like you love your mom, you you love your dad, they raised you, but now they're grandparents. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I got a 10 and a 14. I'm 41 years old. If I had a newborn now, I wouldn't have the energy to do it. So I can't imagine my parents who are in their 70s having the energy to keep up with my kids or or even the know-how. Like I had to teach my dad today how to send a direct message on Instagram. How are my parents going to be able to do my help my kids with their homework, which is all on the the whatever program? I mean, I can barely do my daughter's homework, but it's all on the laptop now. So other than just the age, the energy, there's a whole technology element uh, to raising kids now, which is crazy. T- times are changing. Yeah, you got to navigate that stuff. So people people looking uh, for help, obviously. They may think they don't have a lot in assets, but if you have a family, if you're married, if you have children, if you have a, a car, a house, I mean, those are assets. Those are things you want to you wanna find direction for, and you should really talk to somebody, a professional, right, to get those things in order. I can't tell you how many times even the, the simple beneficiaries on uh, retirement accounts, 401ks, oh, I thought I put so-and-so on there. Maybe you're remarried. Maybe you get divorced. Those are all life-changing events. You know how many times, you know, you have 10 or 20 accounts, you got bank accounts, savings accounts, you've got IRAs, you've got investments, you forget about them. People forget their stuff. They forget their money. They work so hard for. That always baffles me when I'm sitting with clients and and they forget it. I, I even had one client who's like, oh yeah, we forgot that account. It's got over a million dollars in it. It's like, okay. You know? It happens a, a lot more than you might think. And You're shaking your head, Sam. <laughs> just just think about that. I'll remember that later on in life. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm over here saying, how do you... You know, forget about forget a million about dollars it, right? just sitting in a bag somewhere. That's right. It happens. Yeah. Tell you, it does. And you collect stuff. It's just like in your house, you know, you got these boxes of stuff and you kind of forget about them. And that's what happens. You compartmentalize them, you put them away. Now you've got online statements, you might forget about them. Yeah, unless somebody uses an aggregator like uh, like Mint or something that tells you where you've got all your stuff, people always forget or they meet with their advisor routinely and you guys are on top of that but most people have more than they think i agree when you I got agree. A, you got a house right you got a house you got a retirement account usually people forget life insurance they forget that that's a, a huge factor and if they don't have it and they're young and they have young kids they really should make that part of their planning 
So I can do all the best planning in the world, right? I can set up a trust. It's going to get your kids through school and take care of all their emergency medical needs and get them to age 30 or 35 or 40 or whatever. But if you don't fund it right, if you don't name it as the beneficiary of your IRA and you don't have life insurance to fund it, and again, life insurance for a 40-year-old is it's nothing, nothing. For, for huge amounts. So it's kind of a no-brainer to get some of that and fund it. Uh, you know, there's people don't get it and you don't want it going directly to your kids uh, until they're adults. So I always make sure the beneficiary designations are done. I'd say probably half an hour of my day is emails with clients asking me, did I fill this out right? And me confirming, yes, that's right. That's appropriate. But I mean, if your IRA beneficiary isn't appropriate, instantly taxable, 46.9%. Kiss half of your IRA. Goodbye. Like the sound of that, Sam? Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> so step one, uh, uh, obviously wanting to get their assets uh, accounted for, a net worth statement, um, personal financial statement. Those are things that we prepare for clients uh, when we meet and review with them. We have a, a data aggregator. It's called eMoney. Um, pretty straightforward, but I mean, that sounds like pretty basic stuff. You call, you get a meeting, you sit down, you look at your stuff and you come up, you formulate a plan. And it's it's it might be a little painful when you make those decisions, especially when it comes to things like a grantor for a child uh, or a guardian. But, um, you know, besides that, it sounds like, I mean, obviously everybody should meet with a lawyer. It's to me, it's a no brainer. Um, it's again, the cost of not doing it is is tremendous. And. Uh, a lot of the complaints we get from people, and, and I hear this from people who've worked with other lawyers, is they never responded to my phone calls or emails. Oh, or they took forever, right? Everybody's heard that one. I didn't know what it was going to cost, or they never did my work. So the feedback I get, and I am completely tooting my own horn here, and you can read my Google reviews uh -oh. to back this up, but <laughs> the feedback I get from my clients is, man, you made this easy, right? Because I get them in, I meet with you. We talk, it takes about an hour. I give a flat rate quote right there. This is what it's going to cost because I'm in control. I'm not suing somebody. I don't have a third party. So I know what it's going to cost. So now we know what it's going to cost. I say it's going to take three to five weeks. I put that in writing. I deliver in three to five weeks. And then I, and this is almost a religion for me, but return phone calls and emails within a day, a business day. I'm not, don't count the weekends, but, or vacation. I do do that line, but just by simply doing what I said I was going to do for the price I said I was going to do it and communicating with my clients, that's where I get the feedback. Oh, this was so easy. People hug me. I got a lady who brings me a Tarone every year. I got, Nick, wait, wait, what, what's <laughs> yeah, that? She brings Tarone. It's a, it's a Italian, uh, treat. You know it, Sam? Yeah, I know it very well. Yeah. I know it. My wife's yeah. Italian. Shame on me. We got a farmer who gave us bags of beans. Like, you know, uh, some people this year, I got a tiramisu from a client. I know that. Somebody made me a uh, limoncello from lemons in their garden. You know, like the, you never hear lawyers getting that. You hear everybody saying, God, I hate these lawyers, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I think we have a good foundation of why people would uh, reach out to you, the process to get started. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. 
Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Gwelly. Today's guest is Marcus Kroll from the Kroll Law Firm. And we started talking about why somebody might want to schedule a meeting why they need to schedule a meeting, and why he's the right person in the right firm. But let's move on to a very specific topic. Uh, This topic affects pretty much anyone who's 65 plus. It affected our clients in our planning and what we're doing and our kind of our thought process. But Marcus, why don't you allude to some of the things that you and your firm have been able to help people with when it comes to retirement assets and when you have non-spouses inheriting that money. So kids, grandkids relatives. Yeah. So back when we started our careers, uh, if a spouse inherited an IRA, they treated it as if it was their IRA. They could defer withdrawals until I believe at that time it was 70 and a half. That's still the case. It's 72. There's always legislature trying to move that up to 75. So that hasn't changed. But the big problem is a non-spouse inheriting an IRA. Back then, that non-spouse could stretch it out over their entire lifetime. And if it, it. Yeah, and if it was held in a trust, they could also stretch it out over the lifetime of the oldest trust beneficiary. But so, so if you had, you know, a three kids, you'd use the oldest kid. You could still stretch distributions out over that person's lifetime, which if it's a young person, say they're 30, you've got maybe 50 years of stretching it out. So you're only taking small amounts. It can continue to grow. It's great. Uh, What they did was they changed it and said, you've got to take all of it within 10 years unless a certain exception applies. So what we're seeing is kids inheriting their parents' IRAs during their peak earning years. Mm. They have to take it all out within 10 years and it's getting stacked onto their income as earned income already. So frequently we're seeing their parents' IRAs getting taxed essentially at the highest possible rates and getting completely nuked. So- There are some exceptions. If you have a disabled beneficiary or a chronically ill beneficiary, which has not been defined still, Hmm. uh, you can stretch it out. If you have a minor, you can, that's considered a disability. Being a minor is considered a disability. So you can defer actually withdrawals until that disability ends. But um, otherwise you've got it 10 years and not everyone's taking it all in one tenth Some people are waiting until the 10th year to take it all. Maybe they're going to just not work that year, take it all and pay it at that point. But we've come up with a technique that lets us kind of stretch it out a little longer. I'm all ears. Let's see. Sam, listen closely. All right. So this technique involves leaving your charitable IRA or your IRA to a charitable trust. So here's how it works. I die. My will says... Marcus might have a qualified retirement account and Marcus might name this trust under his will as the beneficiary of that specific account or those specific accounts. So I'm not going to do this with life insurance or investments or my house or anything. It's only my qualified money that otherwise would have to go out in 10 years. 
And instead, what it says is, hold that truck, hold that money. We can take distributions from that IRA over 20 years. We have to give 5% out every year for 20 years. So what is five times 20? Sam, help me out. My calculator. Uh, I think it's 100. Okay. Right. So instead of 10 years, we get 20 years. We can get 100 out over 20 years, 5% a year. So if the portfolio does better than 5% every year, it's still growing and accumulating. If it does worse, obviously it's shrinking. I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but do you think you can do five better than 5%? Over 20 years? Yeah. I, I think the odds are, are, are on the house, right? It's in our favor. Yeah. What Definitely. do you think, Sam? I think so. I think so too. I, th- I think we're pretty confident in that. So then the distribution continues to grow every year because it's growing. So you're, you've got some opportunity cost, right? You've got to take 20 years to distribute it, but you're avoiding hammering someone all in year 10 with all that income when they're earning hard. Uh, you have a estate tax deduction. If you have an estate tax problem, this is where this starts to get really mm-hmm. powerful because there's a balancing interest between the kids who are going to get distributions of 5% every year and the charity at the end who's going to get everything else. The charity is going to get it at the end. You get the uh, estate tax deduction from that calculation. And then when the charity finally gets it, they're not going to pay any income tax on that either. So uh, it, it's it's a win-win. When I explain this to my clients, they ask me, why doesn't everyone do this? And I'm like, because it costs a few hundred extra dollars to add it to your will. So people who get it, get it. Uh, it really isn't for everyone. Somebody should be maybe charitably inclined, or if they're not, should think about that. But um, really, you get the stretch, you get growth, you benefit a charity, you get an estate tax deduction, the charity's not going to pay the income tax. So I think everybody wins, and uh, it's becoming quite a popular kind of cutting-edge technique. Not everybody's doing it. My uh, My father actually got an award from the American Cancer Society for the advisor of the year for kind of implementing no this. Yeah. So we what were, do you, what do you call, is there like a, is there a name for that? Yeah. We just call strategy? it the charitable remainder trust or a charitable stretch for your IRA. And again, you don't do this with all of your assets. Just really, if you've got a substantial IRA and you, maybe you don't want your kids to get it all in 10 years, right? Maybe you want to stretch it out or maybe they are earning or maybe you're charitably inclined and then everyone can win in this way. Otherwise, if you're very charitably inclined, you just leave everything to the charity and and that's done. But in this way, you can benefit the family and something else. Wow. So, wow. That's so you're basically taking that 10 year draw period, extending that out to 20 year. You're double, you're 100% increase on the amount of time you have to take those distributions. So now by year 20, is all the IRA asset have to be completely liquidated? Has to go to the charity. Okay. But remember, the charity doesn't pay any income tax on it. So now, and that's another question a lot of my clients say, some are adamant that they are not going to pay an extra penny to the government for any reason. We have have a lot of those. Yeah. We have a lot of those. So this really helps with that goal as well. Because again, if if your IRA gets whacked, most people, let's say you've got a million dollar IRA and it's going out in 10 years to your kids and they're earning, it's 500 grand in taxes. So philosophically, people like this as well. Yeah, I, li- I like the idea behind it. I mean, it, it definitely sounds like a win-win for everyone. And the charity's got to love this. They're, they're fans of this plan, of I'm course. Sure. Um, so 
it's really nice if you involve them during the process and say, we're going to do this. You get invited to all the fancy, you know, the galas and the things you're a, you're a donor. So you got to, um, you feel good. You reduced uh, the tax burden on the kids, at least extended that over their, their earning years. Mm -hmm. I love it. And you mentioned a lot of different moving parts to it, not just the, the legal aspect of it, but the tax component. And that kind of alludes to what we do is why I'm such a cheerleader for promoting um, collaboration between the attorney, the financial advisor, and the tax advisor is extremely important. You know, we get we get the question all the time, what pays more, a 401k or a Roth 401k? Well, you know, if you understand those are just structures of accounts and you understand it has nothing to do with the return, the next question I get is, well, what's the best account that you have right now where I can make some money? Well, that's kind of a loaded question, right? How much do you want to keep? What tax bracket are you in? How do you want to structure these assets? Are they meant for your kids, your grandkids? Are they meant for school? Are they meant for yourself? Are they meant for retirement? There's all kinds of questions. You open up Pandora's box when you do that. You know, I can't really give a good response. When we have our initial client meetings, we have them fill out like a, a profiler, a questionnaire. It tells me a little bit of information. Not because I'm nosy, because I want to know what's going on in your life and how to better plan for you. To come in and, and throw you know, $500,000 into an account and hope for the best result. Well, I, I'm really not sure what I'm trying to, to achieve. I don't know what the goal is. So when it may sometimes seem a bit overwhelming, I think really we get a lot of clients that come in here with a, with a blank slate. They have cash. Uh, maybe they waited for years to invest and now they feel more comfortable and they don't know what to do. They don't have a will. They don't have their power of attorney. They haven't thought about those things because some of those things are kind of scary, right? Mm -hmm. Healthcare proxy. Why would you need a healthcare proxy? What if you're uh, in a hospital? What if, what if you're in a coma? I don't think that's going to happen to you, but what if it does? And then, you know, we, we extend through our retirement years. And then I think of the planning that we do on the tail end of things. Let's, let's touch on long-term care. I know you, you have a very good handle on this. And there were so many different ways that we were able to help our clients in the past. A lot of those avenues have either closed or been limited or, you know, with long-term care insurance and different types of strategies. But what are some of the things that you're seeing now that you think are relevant in 2022 as far as planning from that part? So there's two, I'd say there's two big tools we're using now because really, and I don't, I'm not licensed, so I don't know all these products, but my understanding is my clients are constantly coming to me saying, I can't buy long-term care insurance or, you know, this isn't available or that's not available. So I'd say the easiest one is uh, just a, if you've got a couple and first off, this type of planning requires my clients to say, uh, I have something and I care about leaving something for someone else. If they're fine with spending every penny, that's fine. And that's cool. And I like to say to my clients, you win at life when you spend your last penny right before you die, right? That's how you win the game of life. But uh, a lot of my clients are coming in and saying, no, I want to, I want a legacy. I want to protect it. I had a, usually they had a family member who went to a nursing home and got wiped out, or they had a family who went to a nursing home and a smart lawyer was able to protect assets. And they say, I want to be able to protect assets for my kids because my parents did this for me. So it's almost like a cultural intergenerational thing where, where families who get it, get it. And families who don't get it generally have to experience the nightmare of getting wiped out uh, before they really understand it. So I'd say the, the giant rubber comedy mallet approach, which works great, is if you've got two healthy people or even one who's not so healthy, you could do a, a single premium, uh, two lives, 
pay it once, put it in a trust, forget it. Then, you know, I've taken X dollars. It's going to get a, an, a leverage of Y amount. It's paid for. It's in a trust, so it's separate from me. A trust is, gets its own social security number. It's its own unique entity. And it's sitting there, and I never have to pay for it again. And just when I die, this $100,000 now that I put in now becomes, you know, whatever, $300,000 for my kids. And I can sleep at night, and I can spend anything else I need to spend I can do. Uh, the other proactive tool is using irrevocable trusts where people say, I've got a house, I've got a vacation home. Uh, I've got, I like real estate for these kinds of trusts because you're not pulling money out of it. When I say irrevocable, that means you're not getting the stuff back. You get to use it, but you're not getting it back. So uh, the house is usually the number one store of equity for a lot of our clients. And then if they have vacation homes, the other thing is they have vacation homes all over the country. So when you put it all in one trust, first off, you avoid a state administration. You avoid having to probate a will or go to a court or anything. So that's great. Uh, I'm not one of those lawyers who runs around terrorizing people and telling everyone probate's <laughs> like the end of the world. Because yeah. in, in Monroe County, really probate's not that bad. We e-file everything. We upload it. The surrogate's court here is easy. They're quick. They answer us in a couple of days. We're not in New York City. Uh or you know Florida, where there's so many people dead, you're waiting six months to even hear from a court. So it's not bad, but it's a benefit because you don't. If you got a vacation home in Florida and a house in New York, you don't have to hire a lawyer in Florida to do the same job again. Because Florida's <laughs> Florida's not going to recognize authority in New York to go and sell the house. So so a trust takes assets and it puts it all in one place. That's great. You're avoiding that problem. You're already saving thousands of dollars. It also protects those assets. So if somebody goes into a nursing home, those assets are off the table after five years. And so you hear the horror stories where the nursing home took mom's house. Well, no, they didn't. What really happened is mom went into a nursing home and asked for Medicaid and Medicaid said, all right, well, well, well you would qualify, but you own a house, but we'll put a lien on your house. So when you die, you got to sell the house and pay us back. And usually their lien exceeds the value of the house. Sometimes mom does have to sell the house just to get into a nursing home because some places want two, three hundred grand up front uh, to even get in. So um, it it takes these assets off the table. It protects them. The last thing that is, to me, often overlooked by other advisors is you get the step up in basis when you die. You retain it. So. When As you, it stands right now, but that 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 every what is it every five years or so it uh, is challenged. They're always they, they threaten it. They're always looking into it. But the way we draft these trusts is there that you'll get the step up in basis when you sell the house. Versus there's other lawyers who don't really focus on this type of law, who say, well, put the house in your kid's name, right? But retain the right to live in it. You lose a step up in basis for that. So whatever it costs to draft a trust, you've just wasted that in income taxes when you go and sell the house. Ouch. So uh, so those two tools are pretty popular, but I think the most effective and basic thing anybody should do is have a power of attorney that allows your kids to do transfers of assets even at the last minute. So a lot of people don't even understand that this exists. If you go to a nursing home, they're told, well, if you give money away, you get penalized. There's a, there's a five-year look back and you get penalized. Yeah, we know. We know what that penalty is. We actually do a mathematical calculation where we look at somebody's assets and we say, we can give this much away, assuming you've got a good enough power of attorney. And keep in mind, 
the New York State statutory power of attorney that you can download, the section with all of these powers is completely blank. So, and it blows my mind when I see another lawyer do a power of attorney, just download the form in section H where you're supposed to be a lawyer, they leave it blank. I'm like, what did you pay for? You could have just gotten this for free, right? We've got specific powers in there that allow the family to do this mathematical calculation, even at the last minute, gift some stuff away. We create a penalty, but we know what that penalty is and we cover that penalty using, frankly, basic math. I know it sounds crazy, but the, the key takeaway here is as long as you at least have a power of attorney, which is the most basic form that you can do, you've got at least one arrow in your quiver. Whether you're going to do a trust, whether you're going to say, if I die, don't give my spouse who's ill all of my money, give it to a trust for my spouse. That's another tool. Uh, you know, if my spouse is in a nursing home, I'm not going to name my spouse my beneficiary because then I'm just giving the money to the nursing home. I might right. name a trust to support my spouse for her life. And then when she dies, it goes to my kids. That's a great way to protect assets with no look back on that. There's just tons of arrows in the quiver, but it's like you said, actually at the beginning of this segment, it's sort of like the person saying, I got 500 grand, give me the best, <laughs> the best performing thing. It's I have to find out what's important to my clients, what's important to their family uh, and, and figure out the right tool for them that works for them and their family. Yeah, I mean, you you said a few things. One of them being, uh, mom went into a nursing home and they took all of her money. No, they. I hear that all the time. I don't want I don't want the nursing home to steal my mom my mom or or dad's money. Well, really, you went into the nursing home, racked up a bill, and you you're going to have to somebody's going to have to pay for it, right? It just yeah. doesn't just vanish. You're you're paying for services rendered. I mean, that's the nursing home isn't the enemy. No, uh, they're they're providing services. Uh, they just don't want you to go into a nursing home, lie, and tell them when I spend all my money, then Medicaid's going to take over and pay you. And then they find out when you've spent all your money that you did transfers that weren't permissible. Like like I mentioned, these a lot of lawyers out there who don't focus in this are advising their clients to do X, Y, and Z, and they're all botching everything up. They just want to make sure that when you run out of money, Medicaid is going to take over and pay for it. And you're not disqualified and you haven't made gifts. Some of the, the worst cases I've seen is no gifts were made when mom went into the nursing home. And then a kid takes all of mom's money mm -hmm. after she's in there. Now mom's broke. Medicaid won't cover her. The nursing home's getting stiffed. Uh, everybody loses. <laughs> Whereas if you, do, like if you do planning, everybody can win. And I, I know I asked you this on, on the show we did last year. Um, is it ever too late? No, it's never too late. That's our, that's our tagline on our commercials. It's never too late to do planning. Even if you don't have that power of attorney, which again, I recommend that's everyone over 18 should have one of those. Even if you don't have that, I can still go to court and I can still ask the court to give the family the authority to make the transfers. The problem, like I mentioned before, is if I got a step foot in a courtroom, we've added another zero to the cost the whole process. But when you're protecting hundreds of thousands of dollars, the juice is certainly worth the squeeze. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm curious to see what's going to happen as things evolve and change, not only with um, the legal aspect of things, but just life in general. Like, so, so for the last, what, 10, 20 years, the average life expectancy has increased, right? And then they say in the last couple of years, that's actually starting to kind of hit a plateau and, and go backwards. I could tell you, um, speaking from my own experiences with within my own family and with friends, I've had 
older uh, relatives that needed care that actually got the care at home because they didn't do any planning or didn't have the money to do that or thought it was too late, things like that. So when it gets, when it comes to finances, sometimes family gets a little shy and kind of clams up about, they don't want to admit that they fail to do anything. Um, sometimes even mom and dad, you know, you, you sit in these joint meetings with the, the children when it's kind of later in life, when their uh, parents are retired and maybe declining health. And you start to realize like, hey, mom and dad did all these great things, but they failed to do some of the basic fundamental things as far as like even setting up a will, power of attorney, healthcare, all that stuff that's so important, um, no matter what your age is. We have clients that come in that are 30 and they think they don't have enough money or it's uh, too early for them to get started. We, we've got plenty of time. Um, I'd say it's it's never too early either to get started. And, and maybe it doesn't mean you have half a million dollars or a million dollars to get started. You got to start somewhere, right? You you will. You know, most most people will. But you you nailed another huge issue to my clients, which is getting care at home. You can qualify for Medicaid in your house. You don't have to go to a nursing home as long as there's a safe discharge in place. With a married couple, if you have a good power of attorney drafted by a lawyer who knows what they're doing, the healthy spouse the healthy spouse can um, transfer everything into their name out of the ill spouse's name, refuse to support the ill spouse, and Department of Social Services will actually say, sick spouse, it's not your fault that your healthy spouse took all your money. In fact, it's legally permissible for them to do that. There is no penalty to transfers between spouses. And then you can apply for, for home care where the spouse can be there and you can get AIDS. Now, you've got AIDS coming into your house. That's a whole nother issue. A lot of my clients actually ultimately do say, you know what? Uh, we got to do the nursing home thing just because I, I can't live like this anymore. But a lot of people do want to be heavily involved in the care. That's an option. People don't even realize that that's an option. It just requires the proper legal planning to make that an option. I mean, I think the number one response again, and this different uh, is different between men and women. I asked the husband what his plan is and usually they say, take me out in the backyard and, and shoot me. That That's what they say. And the women kind of look like terrified. Like, what is he talking about? Like, this is insane. And the women um, don't want to necessarily, who wants to go to a nursing home? I mean, I, I don't want to go to a nursing home. Nobody does. But if you if you get to that point where it's challenging, I have families now that are going through some of this uh, in other states and California and whatnot. And it's tough on them. It's, it's draining. It, it, it's, it's, um, it's kind of, you know, it's embarrassing. You're, you're taking care of your, your mom or your dad or your, your wife or your husband quality of life for both of you is, is in the toilet. Um, and there's not a lot of options and it's, believe me, it's, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, even with planning. But if you do nothing, I think it's, it's the, uh, worst, worst of the two options. And as far as the planning aspect, um, I mean, long-term care used to be the way that we would go. The biggest gripe that I get with clients that have long-term care insurance right now that have owned it for the last 10, 15 years is every year I get a premium increase. Do I pay the increase? Do I cut my losses and just give up now? Well, here you are, Mrs. Smith. You're you're 75 years old. You've, you've been paying premiums for the last 15 years to protect all your quote-unquote stuff to give up now when we already knew okay, so they've increased your premiums 15%, 20%. Instead of $2,000, you are paying another 400 bucks for the year. 
to protect all of your money. We already knew you'd be paying for it. We have a means to pay for it. We were investing your money. Um, so a lot of those traditional products are no longer available or they've been dialed back as far as the benefit structure so much because costs are going through the roof. Yeah, I've got, that's a huge catalyst to clients coming into my office is I got the, I'm not doing another premium increase. And when I tell them what it costs to draft a trust, they're like, that's that's less than what I'd pay for one year of, it's you know, a, one it's year a of long-term point. care. It's a good point. The, the other thing is uh, people don't realize that the cost of healthcare is dramatically outpaced the rate of inflation increase. You know, a lot of these had a three or even a 5% rider. That's that's great. But when the cost of healthcare is increasing 10 to 15% per year, uh, you're really sometimes doesn't make sense. So that's a huge catalyst for, for my clients. And oftentimes their financial advisors tell them, yes, you've paid for a long time, but right now it's just the daily benefit isn't enough. You know, the daily benefit might be three or $400. The cost in a nursing homes, five, $600 now. And you're not even covering everything. It's insane. And so uh, I do a huge amount of planning based on just that. Again, it's not too late. A lot of people think, well, I'm too old. It's too late, whatever. No, we can always do something. There's always some strategy. Well, it's no surprise they've dialed back the benefits and cut the products, right? Like you mentioned, inflation. You looked at CPI numbers. I think CPI comes out today. But inflation, what, a month ago was nine. And, and this month, it's eight and, and three quarters, something like. Yeah, so it's going down. but. We, we're coming from a different time. The last 40 years, interest rates have been going down, right? Inflation has been kept at bay. We're going in the opposite direction. A lot of these insurance companies, I don't know if they're going to go belly up or, or have the capital to support the policies. Well, it's it's unsustainable, but you got to remember, I started my career right during the economic collapse. So I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got introduced to all of these. Yeah, it's my life's great. I got, I got 9-11, economic collapse, COVID. It's... I love it. But uh, I I saw all these policies just implode, especially a lot of these um, policies that were variable based on varying interest rates when, uh, when or on investment performance when the economy tanked. Tons of my clients, and you got to remember, I'm 27 years old, bright eyed, no wrinkles on my face, looking at these like, what the heck even is this? They're bringing in letters from the insurance company saying you need to put in, you know, X dollars now, or your policy is going to circle the, the death spiral. You know, it's so tough. we're going to see that again. I believe it, and, and you know, I see these ads on social media about how all these products are just to pitch a product on social media. It it drives me bonkers how the regulators are not all over these people. There's bad apples in every industry: financial advisors, uh, doctors, uh, lawyers. They're they're all around us. I mean, we clean up a lot of messy, messy things. We unravel. I'm sure you come across the two poor planning. And, and you kind of just scratch your head saying, how did you pay for this? They basically downloaded a form or gave you a, a boilerplate template and said, here you go. And you paid thousands of dollars for this stuff. Which it's about what it would cost to see a lawyer. But that's, I mean, the Bitcoin thing, you remember, everybody, oh, was, everybody was shilling for that. And whether or not it's gone up or value or it has any intrinsic value or you can buy things or children or nuclear weapons with it or whatever, <laughs> um, the... The IRS just ruled that it's an it's intangible item now. It's not a financial product. It's uh, it's created an interesting wrinkle in my world where we've got to deal with that in your state plan now, because it's it's like that mug there, or you know, like my phone. It's treated like a actual physical tangible product. It's kind of upended the whole concept that this is a currency or or a, a way to buy and sell things, which I think it 
maybe one day will be a way to buy and sell things, but uh, they've started regulating and taxing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think there's a lot of confusion about how they should go about it. How are they actually going to regulate it? I mean, wasn't the whole... Well, we're not going to get into too much on Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies because I could talk all day. We, <laughs> we talk about this all the time, but um, I, I think we touched on a, a number of different good points with estate planning. I see that Sam's eyes are glazed over, but this is a little premature for you. But down the road, you know, I'm sure we all experience it in one way, shape or another where we're affected by family or friends or we hear a story. We have a client. Uh, all of us do. But knowing that there are resources available to us to, to get the help that we need and talking to experts that do this literally every single day, uh, we deal with clients all the time and, and come up with retirement plans and we plan every single day. Um, typically, most people plan retirement once, maybe twice. They come out of retirement, come back into the workforce. Um, but we do this every single day and you're in the same field. Uh, you, you specialize in this area and I think it's a, a good product set built with a lot of knowledge. Uh, again, Marcus Kroll from the Kroll Law Firm. Again, thank you for being on the show. This is Constantine here at the Monarch Wealth Management Office here in Brighton. Thank you again for listening to the Pennywise Financial Podcast. We will see you next week. You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything, from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial signing off. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, and SIPC.